0: Being retired is the opportunity to worship in a number of churches, which I enjoy doing, and even in preaching in a number of churches, filling in for friends and colleagues. And and yet over the years, one of the things I've noticed, no matter how different Presbyterian churches are, there's always one thing they have in common. And that is the chairs that the preacher has to sit in. If you sat in chairs like these, you would never fall asleep during the sermon. Just kidding. Let Let us pray. Oh Lord our God, open our hearts and minds now to hear your word. Give us grace to receive your truth in faith and in love that we may live always for your glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forevermore. Six years ago this fall, Exactly six years ago, and that number is important, I was getting things together for my annual trip to Ghost Ranch, which is a Presbyterian conference center in northern New Mexico, which is my very special place to go. And among other things I was gathering, I was choosing books to take with me for my reading that week. And I was thinking it would be a good time to finally read a couple of books that a friend had given me some time before, books that, like a lot of books that people give you, I had just never gotten around to reading. In fact, I have a special stack in my office at home, which are all books that people have given me to read, and I've promised to read them, and I just never have gotten them. But I decided to take those particular books with me, and it proved not just to be a good time to read them, but the perfect time to read them. Perfect because it was six years ago and not, say, five or seven. Because that meant I had just spent the summer, reading and preaching through the book of Romans, which had been the epistle lesson in the lectionary that summer, just as it is again this year, the lectionary being a three-year cycle of readings. Well, the two books that I took with me then were Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, and Misbehaving, by Richard Thaler, two seminal works in the relatively new academic discipline of behavioral economics, and you would do well to remember the names of those books because you're going to hear those words over and over again over the next few weeks. And reading them that summer, that fall, actually, turned out to be a genuinely eye-opening experience for me. Because, again, just having read my way through Romans, it became quite clear to me that Kahneman and Thaler were talking about something very close, indeed remarkably close, to what the Apostle Paul is talking about in Romans. And that dawning realization opened my eyes to a new way of thinking about something very important that lies at the heart of our faith. And that is just exactly what it is we mean by the word sin. Well, today I'm going to talk about those two books. I'm going to try to give you a brief yet hopefully accurate overview of what's in them. And so let me acknowledge right off something that's going to become very obvious to you over the next few minutes. Which is that this is not going to sound to you anything like a sermon. Now partly that's because... It's not going to really be a sermon, at least not in the strict sense of the word, but even more. It's not going to sound like a sermon because the language I'm going to be using is not the language that we're used to hearing in church. And because of that, not only is it not going to sound like a sermon, it's not even going to sound like something religious. It's going to sound like I'm talking about behavioral economics. And I am. But then next week, <laughs> next week, I'm going to go over essentially the same ground. In a sense, I'm going to preach exactly the same sermon next week. But this time, It's going to sound like a sermon. Since then, I'll be using Paul's language from the book of Romans. And hopefully, if this all works, what doesn't sound particularly religious today will begin to seem far more relevant to our concerns as people of faith next week. And then finally, two weeks from today... I'm going to combine it all and take Paul's first century ideas and use contemporary language and concepts in order to explore the challenge of what it means for us to attempt to live faithfully now in the 21st century. In his book, Thinking Fast and Slow, Kahneman claims that over time, human beings have developed two modes of decision making in order to deal with the kind of challenges that we face in this world. Now, those two modes, he actually calls system one and two. So it's a very good thing that some editor had the good sense to name the book something else because I doubt a book entitled Thinking System 1 and System 2 would have sold very many copies. Now the mode of thinking fast I'm not very used to these earpiece sermons, I mean microphones. The mode of thinking fast what Kahneman calls System 1 developed For those times when we have to make up our minds very quickly, times when we have to go with what are little more than just gut feelings and intuitions, as opposed to carefully and calmly thinking through a situation and then thoroughly deliberating over all our options. That, of course, is the better way to make any decision. But there are just some situations when we don't have time to do that. Situations when we've got to make up our mind and make it up fast. And having to face those kinds of situations on a daily basis, we've come up with rules. Rules of thumb, as it were, for helping us to make such decisions without having to think about them. Now the classic example of such a situation is going out for a hike one day, turning a corner and there encountering a bear. Now in such a situation, whatever you do, even if it's nothing, you've got to do it immediately. Or to take something a little closer to home, at least a little closer to my home, you may be driving on the Schuylkill Expressway, a road which, by the way, I consider possessed by demonic forces. (laughs) And someone driving much too fast, which is pretty much everyone on the Schuylkill Expressway, spins out right in front of you. And again, whatever you're going to do, you have to do it immediately. Yeah. Because you don't have time to think about it. Amen. But it doesn't have to be that kind of completely out of the blue situation. For example, years ago when we decided to move to Philadelphia, because of the time of year that it was, which was midsummer we had to make several decisions very quickly, basically within just a few days. One, as to where we were going to live, and two, where our daughters would be going to school. Now, they were two obviously important and interrelated decisions since each choice affected the other. And not only did we not have much time to make up our minds, neither my wife nor I knew anything at all about Philadelphia, never having so much as set foot in the city. So we knew nothing about any neighborhoods, whether in the city or not, or about any schools, whether public or private. And when you know nothing, and you don't have time to find out something, what do you do? Well, what we did was talk to a couple of people on the search committee at the church, and then I checked with my brother, who had some business connections here in Philadelphia, and we came up with a short list of neighborhoods we wanted to visit and a few schools to look at. Now imagine moving to a strange town, you pick out a couple of neighborhoods, a couple of schools, and think of all the mistakes that you could make doing that. But that's what we did. We picked out this short list, and over the course of a quick trip to Philadelphia, we visited all of them. We Visited the neighborhoods, we visited the schools. And then we made our decision in short order. Decisions that we knew perfectly well were essentially gut reactions and very little more. And as it turned out, one of our choices worked out quite well. Indeed, in retrospect, it worked out amazingly well. The other, not so much. Frankly, given the haste with which we had made such important decisions, We considered ourselves quite fortunate because the outcome could very easily have been much worse, which is why, of course, you don't want to make serious decisions that way all the time, why, when you do have time and information, you are far better off doing what Kahneman calls thinking slow. Which is to say, thinking carefully through all of your options, doing all of the necessary research and then making fully informed decisions. Decisions that are based on actual knowledge of something rather than just gut feelings. The bottom line then is this, we're best off thinking fast when we have to and thinking slow when we can. And if we did that, things would generally work out reasonably well. That is the idea. But there's a problem a problem that makes this choice dynamic even more problematic than it already is. I mean, it's already problematic because thinking fast is always going to be something of a crapshoot. But this makes it even worse. And there are two ways of describing this problem, which are really just two ways of saying what is pretty much the same thing. We can either say that the world is even more uncertain than we think, Or we can say that we are never as smart as we think we are. Now what this problem means in practice is that we tend to think our gut instincts are better than they actually are. Which means that even when we do have the time and information we need to think slow, We often don't bother. We just go ahead with our gut instincts and think fast. Now, of course, there are times when you have to think fast. The problem is that we do it even when we don't have to. Why do we do that? Kahneman says we're lazy. That it's just too much work to think slow. It's easier just to shoot from the hip, as it were. Which is how mistakes become something worse. Now, of course, we all know that gut instincts in general aren't necessarily a very reliable way to make decisions. But in our mind, so often, that's a problem mainly for other people. Because we tend to think our gut instincts are special. (laughs) And we have developed all kinds of strategies for convincing ourselves that that is so. Both Kahneman and Thaler describe these fallacies at great length. But to make matters even worse, when our gut instincts don't pan out, as all too often they don't, We don't learn from that. We don't face up to the truth and admit, well, we were just wrong. No. If things don't work out, we're sure the problem can't be us. Right? So it must be someone else's fault. And therefore, that there's someone else to blame. In fact, and sadly, all too often, we end up repeatedly doing this, repeatedly making bad decisions and never learning from our mistakes. And so we find ourselves in a kind of doom cycle of what Thaler calls misbehaving, by which he doesn't mean just being naughty, but specifically behavior that misses the mark and falls short of what we aspire to, of what we intended. For reasons we don't fully understand and therefore find easy to blame on others, our efforts don't work out as we intended. They don't produce the results we were aiming at. Our behavior is behavior that consistently misses the mark. It is literally miss behavior. Now I hope you're beginning to have a sense of where all of this is headed. Even though I've gone all this time without using the kind of religious language that we're all used to. But there actually is a word that is found very often in the New Testament, a word that literally means missing the mark and could quite accurately be translated as misbehaving. In fact, Paul uses this word all the time including repeatedly in the passage read this morning for our scripture lesson. I think misbehaving would actually be a far better translation of this word than the one that we are more used to. In Greek, the word is amarti. And do you know how we usually translate that word into English? By the word sin. And what Paul has to say about sin and why he too thinks of it as misbehaving will be our subject next week. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, to whom be all glory and honor now and forevermore spirit to whom be all glory and honor now and forevermore